You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. Stop the world. I want to get off. It seems an appropriate sentiment at the moment. Have you felt that way yourself at any time? We've just heard another story of a tragedy, another disaster, another pain and loss this morning. You don't have to look very far to see that the world's a mess. Has it ever been as bad as it is nowadays? Have things ever been so crazy, so confusing, so frightening? Stop the world. I want to get off. It was the title of a Broadway production in the early 1960s about a man who tried so hard to get a good life for himself and all the things that he wanted in life, but at every turn, things got worse for him instead of better. And every time things went downhill, he'd turn to the audience and cry, stop the world, I want to get off. His troubles, though, seem pretty insignificant compared to what we all face daily in the 21st century. And I don't just mean Australian Christians. I mean everyone, everywhere in the world. I don't need to rehearse the litanies of woes. But in the last century, we've witnessed wars, famine, plagues, drought, crippling poverty, tsunamis, human trafficking, floods, violence, nuclear holocaust, internet porn, economic destruction, economic catastrophe, terrorism, political corruption, domestic abuse, and on and on and on it goes. Just in the last six months, we've experienced drought, bushfires, floods, coronavirus, mass graves in New York, economic disaster and spiralling unemployment everywhere. And now we have worldwide protests and riots over the murder of George Floyd and others. Then we add to that the local tragedy of the recent house fire that killed some and severely injured many others here in Victoria. And now the one, the other one we've just heard of the young woman whose husband was killed in an accident um, in Kosciol. Most of us don't know these families personally. Some do, but most of us don't. But they're family of City Edge family. So it feels a bit closer to home for us. The bad news is relentless. It's overwhelming. It's an assault on our senses. It seems to be a full-time job just trying to stay up with the latest advice on how to deal with the latest disaster. And the information can change on an hourly basis. Is it just the 24-hour news cycle that makes things seem so bad? Just the worldwide connectedness we have today with the internet? Or are things really getting worse? It's hard to read the book of Revelation with all all its talk of earthquakes and war and plagues and famine and not think that it's describing our day. Are these the last days that Jesus and others talked about in the New Testament? Maybe. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 24, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginnings of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation 
and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. If that doesn't describe life in the 21st century, I don't know what does. It's enough for anyone, Christian or otherwise, to cry out, I've had enough, I can't take it anymore. Stop the world, I want to get off. We're living in unprecedented times. You're probably sick of hearing that phrase. How often have you heard it in recent months? It's become so common as to become a bit of a joke. One of the supermarket chains even uses the phrase to promote themselves in an ad on TV at the moment. The world's a mess. It's broken. Even those wearing rose-coloured glasses must be able to see that. It's broken and it seems to be getting worse by the day. Yet there's always some fools who think they can create some sort of utopian society where everyone lives in peace and harmony, sharing all their possessions with everyone else. So many have tried that before, whether by withdrawing from society or imposing political will on society, and all of them have failed. Even if you're able to control uh, and create this utopia, you'd still have no control over natural disasters and disease and death. You just can't do it. All attempts to do so will fail. You don't need to be a prophet to see that. You only need to look at history and look at the selfishness that permeates the heart of every human being. The simple fact that we would look around us and think, stop the world, I want to get off, tells us that something has gone wrong. This is not the way things are supposed to be. Somewhere deep within us, there is something that knows things shouldn't be like this, that things should be better somehow. There is something inside us that makes us yearn for a better world. We might not be able to identify what the problem is or how to fix it, but we know instinctively that things should be better. The funny thing is that if you're an atheist or an evolutionist, you have no earthly reason to imagine that things should be any different. If there is no God, if the universe and life just happened, then there's no reason to expect anything other than chaos. In fact, any semblance of order, any hint of good, should have you scratching your head and wondering, where did that come from? If you're an evolutionist, it's survival of the fittest. You should expect no less than man's inhumanity to man. For that's how evolution works. The strong survive, the weak perish. 
if you were to take your evolutionary theory to its logical conclusion, then the violence committed against George Floyd and racism in general and slavery in particular is merely evolution working itself out. Nature, red in tooth and claw, as the British poet Alfred Lord Tennyson said way back in 1849. So it's really nonsense for atheists and evolutionists to imagine anything other than what we see in the world today. In fact, the question they should struggle with is not why is there so much bad, but why is there any good at all? Strangely and inconsistent with their worldview, they too recognise that things are not the way they're supposed to be. So how did things get so bad? The Bible tells us pretty plainly. The world was never like this in the beginning. It was good, very good, it tells us in Genesis 1, when God originally created it. You know how the story goes. The serpent deceived Eve into eating the forbidden fruit. He caused her to doubt the goodness and trustworthiness of God, so she ate. And she gave some to her husband Adam, who was there watching the whole interchange. And he ate too, in direct disobedience to God's command. The one tree that was out of bounds for them, the one tree out of all the many that they were allowed to eat from, was the one they wanted to eat from. Of course, that was the tree that looked the most enticing. Isn't that still the case with us? That story is where the term forbidden fruit comes from. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. But instantly, the world was plunged into sin and the downward spiral began. Adam and Eve were alienated from their creator and death came into the world. The first death was that of an animal which provided skins for clothing to cover their nakedness. It was only a matter of time before the first human death occurred as a result this time of murder. The Bible is an increasing record of rebellion and rejection of God. It tells us in no uncertain terms how things got so bad, and it can be all traced back to Adam and his sin. And not a single one of us since Adam has been able to, or even wanted to, stray from the path of sin and rebellion that Adam set for us. The whole human race is in rebellion, not only against God, but against each other also. Every war, every act of violence, even every lie told, is an attempt to gain the upper hand against one we perceive to be a rival or even an enemy. We see the fruit of Adam's sin in ours and ours today in the violence that has infested the earth and in the natural disasters that destroy so many lives. Romans 8 tells us the, the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning, groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly 
for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Every earthquake, every flood, every volcanic eruption, every drought, every hurricane is creation groaning in the pains of childbirth, looking for release. This is not the way things are meant to be. Every broken bone, every cancer, every ache and pain, even every rejection from somebody is a reminder to us that things are not meant to be like this. And the reason we long for something better, the only reason we can even imagine something better, is because God has put that hope, that longing into our hearts. In fact, tragedy and pain are designed, at least in part, to make us long for something better. Every time we experience pain or witness suffering or read about a war or watch a volcano erupt, destroying villages in its path, it should remind us this is not the way things are meant to be. How long, O Lord, how long? This suffering should make us long for, search for the good, the perfect, the everlasting. And there is only one place to find it. Before I go on, I might just add that we should never be callous or uncaring about suffering. We should always respond in some way. And there are appropriate ways to respond to tragedy. Compassion, generosity, help, hospitality, prayer, encouragement. As Christians, we respond that way because God has put something of his love and his mercy into our hearts. Unbelievers, of course, reject the source and the motivation for our response because it's inconsistent with their atheistic or evolutionary worldview. But thank God that unbelievers still respond to tragedies with compassion and help. They may be inconsistent, but the world needs all the help it can get. There's a reason why the human race rejects the Christian worldview and rejects God. It's been our nature ever since Adam took, took that fateful bite back in the Garden of Eden. There is, our ears before God granted us his mercy, are deaf to God. They are willfully deaf to God because they have no desire that God or anyone else for that matter should rule over them. The prophet Isaiah wrote, I heard the, Lord, the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? How long indeed? When will this end, O Lord? There is an end in sight. The Bible tells us all about it. God had a plan for it from before the foundation of the earth. His plan was always to call our people to himself with grace and mercy and to redeem the earth out of its groaning. It's why he sent his son, his only son, whom he loves, to be the sacrifice that will 
to forever take away the wrath of God against sin. It's why he sent his son to wash away the stain of sin that makes us hide from God, to open the way previously closed off by our sin back to God, to adopt us as rebels, murderers into his own own family by changing our hearts, washing us whiter than snow, giving us new clean clothes of his righteousness in place of our old filthy rags of self-will and rebellion, to give us a future and a hope beyond this earthly struggle, a future and a hope where there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more death. You can read the book of Revelation in many different ways and many people have over the centuries. You may read it as mostly historical events or as events that are happening throughout human history, or as events to happen sometime in the future. But regardless of how you read the book, it tells a story of a broken and rebellious world, but also a story of a glorious and peaceful future to come. Our broken down, worn out bodies are not the final product. And this earth will not groan forever. Behold, I'm making all things new, the Lord says in Revelation 21. When that time comes, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth will pass away and the sea will be no more. And we will see the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And we will hear a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. That, friends, is what all this pain and suffering is preparing us for. It's what we should be longing for with every pain, with every hurt, with every loss, with every disaster. If you're a Christian, you should be reminded of this promise and long for the fulfilment of it with every tragedy. It doesn't stop us from hurting and mourning the loss God forbid that we should ever become immune to the pain of loss in this life. But it should be a reminder that our good and gracious and merciful God hasn't abandoned us. Hasn't abandoned us to our pain and won't leave us to suffer for long. Yes, this world is broken, but it won't always be that way. For one day, we will be part of we will fully experience that new Jerusalem, that bride prepared for her husband. On that day, we will see what Isaiah saw in the midst of another tragedy. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. 
Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ today, then that burning coal has already touched your lips. Your guilt is already taken away. Your sin is already atoned for. You have nothing to fear when the Lord reveals himself in this way. Rather, you have much to look forward to and to celebrate for this broken world on that day will be no more. We don't really understand today what it is that God is doing in and through all this suffering, but one day it will all make sense. If, by contrast, you've never turned to Jesus Christ in faith, you have much to fear in this world and in the next. Your world will not be repaired. The pain you experience in this life is just a small sample of the pain and the loss you'll experience in the next life. It is only the children of God who will experience the freedom from pain and suffering and loss and sin. It is only the children of God who will see their bodies redeemed and made new. If you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ You don't need to go through this life any longer without hope, without any prospect of relief. For the promise that all things will be made new is offered to you also. All you need to do is turn to Jesus Christ in faith. Turn to him. Acknowledge your rebellion. Acknowledge your self-will. Turn to him. Ask him to make you new and to adopt you into his family. For the offer is made to everyone, without exception. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? The promise, the offer of rescue from this broken world is for you too. Would you turn to him today? Would you turn to him today? For there is only one rescue from this broken world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's only fitting and right that we mourn 
the loss of loved ones today, that we grieve over the injustice in the world and the violence that seems to fill every corner of the earth, that we look with horror on the devastation caused by drought and earthquake and tsunami, and we cry, how long, O Lord, how long? How long will you delay your return to put all things right, to make everything new? How long before we are freed from this pain, this grief, this loss that tears at our hearts? But Lord, in the midst of our pain, we look to you. For you are good. You are merciful. You are trustworthy. You will fulfill your promise to make all things new and to wipe away every tear from our eyes. We look to you in faith, merciful God, as we cry out, How long, O Lord? Amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.